Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Oh, mist of my mist, shroud of my mind, fall from the valleys and moors, bring me your stillnesses and silent weight, then be bebroken by warm beams of pint light revealing within you the moon underwater. the lesson and here beginneth the pub where does a pub begin and end it's an interesting question today it begins and ends in the moon underwater where i barman and landlord john robbins am serving my one favorite regular mr robin allender hello robin hello john how does this week find you in the pub well it finds me well Oh, that's good to hear. I had a lovely message, actually, from my friend Neil Taig, which is a, which is a lovely, uh, lovely little message, which says, Got to listen to something I've not heard in ages the other day, the last of a barrel, and then the next ale being pulled through. The landlord had it himself to test it. Glorious. Nice kind of sonic, the sonic architecture of a pub. Yes. That's something we've missed. I've just finished reading a book called The Boarding House. My fiance sister got it for me for Christmas because it's sort of very me. It's just about a group of people, I think in the 30s or 40s, maybe even 50s, just living in a sort of pretty anonymous boarding house. And it's sort of the stories of their lives. And one of the people there, one of the guys, has old records of just trains, the sound of trains going through stations that he listens to in his room. Be quite nice to get some Sonic Pub Architecture LPs. Well, yes. Speaking of trains, in the Highbury Vaults, they used to have the little mini train going round the whole pub, didn't they? But you never liked it because you said it looked like a spider. (laughs) Did I? (laughs) You said it sort of looked like some insect in the corner of your eye. Yes, if if you're yeah, so they've got this sort of mini railway set that goes through all of the little booths. 
I love it. If you're sort of half looking at it, it can make you jump because you think it's a spider or a beetle or a ghost. Yeah, or a ghost, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to say, there's there's an awful lot of birds around the moon underwater today, sort of tweeting and twittering and glimmering in the dusk. Yes. They've begun coming to the front door. <laughs> of the pub? Yeah, in search of some kind of, I imagine... Husks, offshoots of the brewing process, husks or nuts or seeds, maybe some hops. But I've I've just told them, I'm sorry, you can't come in. Oh, right. I thought that was going somewhere. No, I've just, I've just, (laughs) I've told them to behave themselves and feel free to bedeck the exterior. Not with bird poo. No, but it doesn't really gather on the moon underwater for some reason. Mm, mm. It gathers on some of the statues of famous pints that run along the... (laughs) The alleyway which the moon underwater shifts air so. Yeah, I mean, those are, they're lovely statues, aren't they? they do, I, I will say, I mean, I know this is unpopular. They do look quite similar, those statues of famous pints, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do tend to blur into one. But you've got the little plaque at the bottom, you have to read the info. And also, apparently, the council are putting a QR code. And if you scan it, it plays you the sound of the pint being poured. Right. It's weird because you could just come into the pub and, and just have a pint being poured. But Well, hmm, are you not a fan of heritage, Robin? Are you not a fan <laughs> of, of history, of the pint years? Uh, anyway, we had a few pint years recently, didn't we? Yes. Uh, went to a number of pubs in South London with Al from Al's Kitchen, uh, which is one of my favourite YouTube channels. It's how to cook British Indian restaurant style curries at home. And I really got into it in lockdown and finally were able to meet Al in the flesh and in the pint. Yes, and in the poppadom. And in the poppadom, because we went for a curry afterwards. I have to say, I got a lot drunker than I'd planned on getting. Yes, well, the thing is, you were just absolutely on sparkling form when Al entered the pub. Yeah. By the time you'd ordered a bottle of rosé with your curry... Yeah. You were doing that thing where, you know, when when you're sober, you lift your glass up to your head to drink. Yeah. When you're drunk, you kind of move your head down <laughs> to the drink. And that was starting to happen. You're just angling your wrist to get the rosé in your mouth and just moving your head down to catch the rosé. And I thought John might have gone a bit to the dark side. Stooping to catch the beams. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I have to say, I got a very long Uber journey home from the restaurant, and it was the first time in years I've thought this journey could go badly wrong. Luckily, I fell asleep about Battersea and woke up at home an hour later. Yeah. One piece of advice, if ever I do that, I always tip the driver quite heavily in case I've snored or had some kind of night terror. Mm. Al was an absolute delight. It was such a pleasure to meet him. When you left, I had another half an hour with him. And to be honest, I can't remember what we talk about. I talked about John. <laughs> it kind of woke with a kind of slight, you know, when you wake up with that kind of residual feeling of shame. Oh, yeah. Did I say too much? Did I say too much? Did I say... <laughs> Not enough. Did I say it too loud? Yes. I think the killer, though, for, for me was the... I shouldn't have ordered a bottle of wine. I should have just <laughs> called the alcohol quits at the curry start. Yeah, yeah. For you, it's those 660 mil bottles of Cobra. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of Cobra. Well, you know, I'm getting into... I'm in my 40s now, and the hangover was two, if not three days long. 
Was it really? And, you know, we recorded the episode you're about to hear in the midst of that hangover. In fact, Mm. it was the day after. I've had a few days off booze because it started to creep up on me a bit that days I had earmarked as days off, I'd allowed to slide into nights on. So tonight's my third night off in a row. And I think it's pretty good to keep that in check. Just be mindful of how many days on the bounce you have baboozed your sen. Well, yes, I'm on the Erdinger's uh, alcohol fry at the moment. Um, but I'm loving having a watching the football, having a lovely glass of Sauvignon Blanc and a platter of prosciutto. Oh, lovely. <laughs> did you sigh for the mail today? I did, yeah, I gave it a good sigh. We've had some lovely uh, emails and letters to the moon underwater. And there's one in particular, Roger O'Sullivan, who wrote in a while ago, has actually coded a pub-based text adventure game called Pub Simulator, which sounds absolutely brilliant. So we, we may send out the link to that, and but we'll also go through a game of that in the next Behind the Cellar Door bonus episode. I tell you what we should do. When we play it on Behind the Cellar Door, when that episode goes out, we'll put it on the Facebook group and on Patreon as a post. Yes, good shout. So, yeah, thanks, Roger, for sending that in. Um, We've had a really lovely email here from Stephen. So you might remember the other day we had a letter about the Sorry Head pub in Exeter. And he, he wrote back this, Hello, I heard you mention the Sorry Head pub during a recent episode, so thought I'd pass on a fun fact. It used to be called Horse and Dray, and Sorry Head is an anagram of the words horse and dray. No, you don't. <laughs> it is. You it's got lie an H, to an me. An R-S-E-D-R-A-Y. Yes, it's been closed for a very long time as the side wall is collapsing and there's no obvious prospect of it reopening. Oh. It wasn't a great pub, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It was the kind of place where Foster's was considered to be sophisticated. Keep up the good work, Stephen. (laughs) Thanks for that. I like Exeter. I love that, how both the name and the history of the name changing create this image in your head of some blissful, unending pub. Yeah. It turns out to be... It's a bit like the, the Philip Larkin pub. Yes, the high timbers and a man being sick in the toilets or something. Yeah, well, there's a pub called the Philip Larkin. Uh, oh, the Philip Larkin in Coventry, right? I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Sky Sports. It's yeah. just got big loads of banners for the fact you can watch Sky Sports there, which doesn't really tally in with the sun comprehending glass that is nothing and is nowhere and is endless. But I guess that's what Sky Sports is, and maybe the ultimate high window. That's <laughs> nowhere and is endless. It is. It's endless, but it's unfortunately everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Oh, but, and also the Sherlock Holmes in London, that's a real disappointment. Is it? Holmes and Watson would not have found a little quiet nook to discuss a case over two pipes. <laughs> they would have thought, God, what a terrible pub. Exeter's decent for pubs, though. Well, for a start, there's the Phoenix Art Centre, which is great. But what's the... the I think it's called the Firehouse. Yeah, the old Firehouse in Exeter's a lovely pub. It's on multiple stories. And uh, a few times I've been there, it's just been all candlelit inside. It's been lovely. Ooh, mm. candlelit pubs. Now, there's an avenue of the mind I haven't strod down of late. Strod, yeah. Well, I might have made, my memory might have made that more mystical than it was. Maybe it wasn't candlelit, but I remember it being candlelit. I would like to go to a candlelit pub. Hey, if you know a candlelit pub, do uh, do send your missed mail to... 
john at moonunderpod.com. Also, should point out that tickets are now on sale for the uh, live Moon Under water recordings. I don't know at time of going to press when this comes out, if they will still be available, but they're certainly on sale. And just a reminder that patrons in the top tier get 48-hour pre-sale access. So we can't wait to see you there. We've got some lovely guests lined up in a really nice pub, the George IV in Chiswick, which I'm aware is probably not within everyone's commute. However, it is far enough west of London that certainly the M4 corridor has decent access to it. But you can't be in every pub all of the time. Yeah, no, it's true. The birds have silenced somewhat, Robin. Mm. So perhaps that's our cue to prepare the moon underwater for this week's guest. Well then, Robin, I think I've got this bar shining bright. Mmm, you can see your face in that, you can see the past in that. I can see my memories in this bar, it's so shiny. Yeah, you could eat your dinner off those memories. You you could eat your dinner off off those memories, and you could eat your memories off the dinner in many ways. What I like to do with this bar is to just hold the mirror of desire, or the mirror of sorrow, behind my head, and create that sort of effect from the Bohemian Rhapsody video. Oh, where it's kind of an infinite loop of a mirror reflecting a mirror. An infinite loop of desire within a pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is is nothing if not an infinite loop of desire in itself. Yes. So you sort of get a desire feedback. Yeah, desire feedback. <laughs> yeah, what are you drinking this evening, Robbo? Oh, it's just a pint of nostalgia IPA. A little bit hungover today, yes. Yeah. So I'm drinking a Coke. Okay, lovely stuff. I am similarly... Well, this is this... We're, we're both a little bit hungover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're both hungover. We went for a, a couple of four pints. I made an error of judgment with a bottle of wine and a curry. Yes, you did. We, we ordered um, two bottles of Cobra for... Well, there were three of us, so two Cobras, one bottle of wine for John. Just the one glass. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the problem is that... As, as a non-lagerist, mm. as we've discussed before, there are very few options in a curry house. And the wine they did by the glass, I didn't like the look of. So I thought, I'll, have a, I'll just get a bottle of nice wine. And it just led to a very, very tricky Uber ride home, I must say. I think sort of by the time the poppadoms had cleared, there was a bit of slumping going on from your direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Well, initially it was quite useful because I sort of slumped into the poppadoms, ca- causing them all to crack so that we, we could each get a bit of poppadom. But anyway, as we all know, um, hangovers are inverted in the moon underwater. So actually me and Robin are feeling fantastic right now. May I say a rather appropriate discussion topic as I believe our guest is approaching down the street because the watchman of pubs has sent me the secret signal. The watchman of pubs sits atop the roofs. I've never met him. You can't see him because he moves so quickly like the BFG. But he sent me a special, special signal. That is it like the Lord of the Rings where they light those fires on the mountains? It is like lighting the fires on the mountains, but it's, it's lighting candles in various windows in a certain, you know, a certain arrangement. I can't go into it now because it's quite, quite a difficult cipher to crack. But anyway, walking down the road... 
I'm reliably informed by the Watchman of Pubs, is this week's guest, and I believe I hear the door. And here is comedian and podcaster and American, Taylor Glenn. Hello, Taylor. Hello. What an intro. Thank you. You're absolutely welcome. And you are one of the three hosts of Drunk Women Solving Crime. That is correct. And you are also a comedian uh, outside of that. A comedian podcaster, a podcaster comedian. Sure. But what I really want to start with is you're American, <laughs> which is the coolest nationality someone can really have. Is it? Is it though? It is very cool to be American because you know about American things. and um, But crucially, what I wanted to ask is... Before you first came to England, what did the word pub mean to you? And what does the word pub mean to an American? Ah, now that's a good question. Because I was going I was going through your lovely briefing sheet. And I'm so excited to be here, by the way. You should know that I take hypotheticals very, very seriously. <laughs> well, that's good because these hypotheticals then are rendered into the the trueness of the realm. This is it. If that's not too specific. No, this is speaking my language. I take them very, very seriously. I'm like, should we get an Excel sheet up and I'll do the pros and cons of each choice? <laughs> um, pub is probably a word that before I moved here, I would have associated with the Irish pub. And I would say there's a bit of an overgrowth of those in the United States, and they are more or less um, authentic. I'd say there's probably one or two authentic ones and about four million really cheesy bad ones. Whereabouts did you grow up in America? Ah, well, we will come on to this when we talk about what's on draft, but I grew up in Pennsylvania. I see, yes. Yeah. So you'd say Irish pub. So it, weirdly, America is pretty much a bar country isn't it broadly it's bar country yeah it's bar country apart from this tradition of the irish pub talk to us about why that exists so much in america and, and, and the spectrum of irish pubs you get there well i think so i've lived here for 16 years so i know the accent hasn't got anywhere but i've been here a long time so this is very much home things have changed a lot i mean even going back about five years ago, I remember going back to New York and this sort of, um, the idea of the pub as an institution, they've tried to pick that up because we try to take all the good things that you guys make, sink money into it, make it bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't just the Irish pub anymore. It's like, no, we want to recreate the English country pub and we'll try to do this. So yeah, I think it's changed quite a lot. I think Americans are a lot more savvy about British culture than they've ever been as well. So I think more more people would understand what the pub is because it is an institution here in a way that the bar is like, you go to the bar, you don't take your family to the bar, but you take your family to the pub. Well, I do. <laughs> With the Irish pubs in America, are they seen as being slightly naff? if you know what I mean, or, or a bit cheesy or something? Or or do, do people say, oh, let's go to the pub and go to the Irish pub? I would say generally they're a bit, yeah, they're a little bit cheesy, tourist trappy. Mm. Mm. Not great. There's a few I've been to that feel more like 
like a proper pub, especially in Boston. Yes. Yeah. If there's an actual Irish community somewhere and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somebody with the actual lineage that's not just like, I'm 118th, let's die the river, then it turns out okay. But generally, it's sort of like, bleh, you wouldn't want to go there. I always like the, do you remember in The Wire, they, there's a, they always go to the Irish pub there, don't they? And that looks, I'd like to go there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where they shot that. Was it, uh, was it a set or was it a real pub that they used? I can't even remember. I don't know. My Wire years so long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so much of it was real settings and people around Baltimore, wasn't it? That- yeah, maybe it really was in Baltimore. Don't know, and I don't want to look. I don't want to do down Irish pubs in the U.S. because I they, they somebody must love them because they exist, they thrive. So I'm just you know I might just be being a bit of a snob. Taylor, you've just taken a sip from a superb glass of what I believe to be white wine that has manifested itself here in the Moon Underwater. It has. Is that what you would relax with at home? A white wine, and can you also tell us about? how drunk the women solving crime get when they're solving crime on Drunk Women Solve Crime. (laughs) Sure. Yes, this is my drink of choice usually, uh, is a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, preferably. I'm not very knowledgeable about wine. I've gone on a few wine tastings and I retained nothing. And I'm kind of (laughs) proud of that. I did in the moment. Like I appreciate when someone tells me words and I'm like drinking the words, but I don't take those words with me in any way. But at some point I discovered, like, I would just go to bars and somebody would get a white wine. I'm like, this one, what is this? What's the difference? And it was New Zealand grapes. So there you go. So yeah, that's my, that's my go-to. How cold are we talking for the white wine? Oh, that's an interesting question. Pretty damn is my answer. Pretty damn cold for a Sauvignon. I've had incidents where my well-meaning husband will chuck a bottle in the freezer to really speed it up. And a Sauvignon-sicle is not as good as I had hoped. The thing is, if it's too cold, you don't get that flavour. Uh, you know, you, the wine experts say it, does, it shouldn't be freezing cold. But I, I love it when it's freezing cold. <laughs> I do too. I can yeah. still taste it. Yeah. But they're just jaded. Yeah, they are. Using the freezer for booze is a dangerous game to play. <laughs> It is a real gamble. You've got to be setting quite a lot of reminders on your phone. Otherwise, you're getting an exploded wine bottle or beer bottle the next morning, which is horrible. But uh, tell us about drunk women solving crime. What are you drinking? How drunk do you get? Does it help solve the crimes? I think yes, absolutely. And the answer to that is variable. I mean, we've had <laughs> we've had guests on uh, who don't drink and... That's absolutely fine. It still works. We still solve every crime. But yeah, we've definitely had some where we go, ooh, we really lived up to the brand there. We've really, (laughs) really committed, especially live shows. And I think especially our first few live shows, because what I I never drank when I did stand up. I don't do stand up anymore, but I wasn't one of those people that could have like a pint or two and then go and do my set. I was like, I had to be dead sober. So for this... I never accounted for what it's like when adrenaline hits and how you then in turn just gulp what's in front of you. So we, you know, we always have bottles on the tables and just not paying attention. So we've had to rein it in a little bit. (laughs) There's definitely that thing with um, drunk podcasting or drunk performing where... Like I do a Beatles podcast, and we—I think the first one we did where we were drinking afterwards, we were like, "Oh my god, that was amazing! Like we've solved the Beatles. That was brilliant!" And like you listen to it back, and it's just three pissed 
blokes going, just really, I just fucking love that song. <laughs> you know, just it's, <laughs> you know. Do you get that ever, ever where you think, oh, that was a really good episode and you listen back and you go, oh, no, I was just incredibly pissed. Luckily, because there's three of us plus a guest. Yeah. It's more than likely at least three of us have control of our vehicle, which is great. <laughs> yeah. um, but I know what you mean. When I listen to the edits, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start to piece together uh, Taylor Glenn's dream pub right here, right now. Yes. Uh, You start off with two draft choices. What are you going for, Taylor? Okay. I'm going to take a little sip of said Sauvignon and let's do this. Oh, nice. Okay. So it was a gift. Thank you. Ours are all from Sainsbury's. Try not to break the last of these because they're nice. So the first choice would be a lager called Yingling. And Yingling has recently made its way into the show A Mare of Easttown. I don't know if you've seen this. It's a good series. But it's the oldest brewery in America uh, from my home state of Pennsylvania. Yes, I've had a, I've had a Yingling. It's oh, got, good. I was yeah. hoping at least one of you <laughs> yeah. had had it. You liked it? Yeah. It's got that very distinctive American, like it's quite hoppy. It is very hoppy. It strikes me as a distinctively American flavor, I think. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I never thought of like the American flavor and do we have hoppier beers? That's a good word for us in general, though. We're just we're just a little bit hoppier. <laughs> a, bit, a bit hoppier. As an American, what do you think of the kind of British pouring of a pint? Because definitely in American bars, you get that thing where it's not, it's not filled up to the brim of the glass. And so as a British person in America, you're like, why haven't you filled up my glass? But then thinking about it, it is quite absurd that we have our pints right like imagine having a cup of tea with the tea is like right to the top of the throat, feeling really <laughs> undersold you know i appreciate the british adherence to measures though because i had never seen again it's just these cultural differences in a bar in the states it's up to the bartender how much wine goes into your glass and it's is a really contentious thing because i've been to to wine bars where they give me a tiny tiny amount and you're just like really Okay, really? And here, you know, it's literally like we've got the line and it goes to the <laughs> yeah. line and you're not getting a drop more. So I feel like it's the same with a pour. Mm. There's just a standard. What's your second draft of choice? This was tough because I, so I'm kind of a trader because I used to drink pints in the States and then I came over here and I did that for a while and then I just completely went off of all beer. So it was harder to think of these ones, but I'm going with, uh, speaking of Belgium, a cherry lambic. Oh. <laughs> Which I'm laughing at because I don't like sweet drinks. I hate sweet wine. I don't really like sweet cocktails. But it's because I had this. So when my husband and I decided to try for a baby, which we have now, she's more than a baby. She's a, she's a human. She turned into a human. But um, we had this trip to Bruges scheduled. And then when it came up, we thought I was pregnant. So we went there And we spent the day, you know, not having any alcohol. And I quickly discovered that Bruges is really fucking boring. Yeah, that's the kind of, uh, that's the main attraction for me with going to Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. So you do the two things you can do there. And then I was like, oh. And then the next day we found out I wasn't pregnant. And so we're like, yeah. So at 11 a.m. we had lunch and I ordered 
the, I think I just pointed to it. I was like, okay, this one. And I think it was like a liter and a half of cherry lambic. And it just tasted, if I had it now, I might not even like it, but I have the fondest memory of just being like, yes, I am not pregnant, but I have cherry <laughs> beer. Are you talking about Creek Boone? Oh, that is a version of it. That's very, very, that's super sweet though, isn't okay, it? Okay, so we're th- thinking a more sort of finessed cherry lambic. Leafman's, I think, which is less sweet. But there's another. That's not the kind I ordered. I can't remember. I do like it, the odd cherry beer. The first gig I ever did with a band was in Bruges with a band called Gravenhurst a long time ago. And again, I mean, Bruges has got is is basically the best place to go if you like beer and pubs and everything. But it, it, utterly disastrous. Before the first gig abroad, I was absolutely hammered. And that's that's tough. I'm not a musician, but that has to be, yeah. that's a real skill. <laughs> it's, you can get away with it a lot more than you can with comedy, I think, but it's not, it's not, uh, not to be recommended. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we, we start your pub with, is it Yingling? So uh, yeah, Americans would say Yingling and it absolutely wouldn't be pronounced like that in proper German, but that's what we do. That's what Americans do. It's like, nah, it's Yingling. <laughs> so Yingling Lager, which is 4.5%, I just found out. Oh, okay. And uh, Cherry Lambic, Leafman's Cherry Lambic. When you imagine your dream pub, is it got American elements or is it quintessentially British? What's the vibe when you walk in? No, I think I veered very quintessentially British. I'm a big fan of the British pub and the older the better. I love one that has a story. I love one that has doors that are too small for me to fit through because that's how big people were when it was built, you know. And I think this is it when you come from the U.S. that our version of old, like I said, Yingling's the oldest brewery, but it probably dates back to like 1972. <laughs> you know, to have proper history here, really old places with wood, that dark wood that just sort of like, it's a hug and it has a story. Yeah, so that's what I would want. Not the sleek American bar. <laughs> I love the dark wood like a hug. That's very nice. That's a real pleasing image to to sort of throw around the old mind. And doors too small. Mmm. Oh, yes. I've got a, l- a lovely flavour of this pub. Good. See, it's the stuff you don't write down, John, isn't it? It's never what you've taken notes about. Would it be an urban city pub or a, a country pub or a village pub? Mmm, that's interesting. I'm a city girl at heart. But I like the pubs that you find outside of a city, although I feel like you can find either one in either location. Let's go with village. I'm going to say village feel. Yeah. I am just a pub. We've got the, the two draft items. Let's move on to the bottles. What are you bottling or canning in your pub of choice? So... I would go for a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, as I said before. I've discovered that's my my drink of choice. And then I would have a champagne because I am a giant wanker. <laughs> <laughs> what champagne would you have? Well, here's where the wanker comes in. I've only had this once in my life as well, but it blew my mind. And I can't say it. It's the oldest champagne label in France. And if I said it phonetically, it's Ruinart, but it's my friend who's French said it, 
And she said, like, Rinald. Rinald. Like this beautiful, like, Rinald. 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 How, how, how are you spelling it? Ooh. R-U-I-N-A-R-T. It looks like ruin art. Yeah. Ruinart. 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 <laughs> it will ruin the art of cheap drinks is what it does. Because, wow. So is it all expensive or is there just a very expensive version of it? Do you know what? That's a good question because it's not its not something you come across very often, at least the places I go. And I only tried it because I had a friend who was French in London who worked for one of the big Diageo, I think, who own everything. And she did she did uh, champagne tastings for a living. Oh, my God. Yeah, so she had us over to try all of these. And she brought this out last, and I wish she hadn't, because I wish I had been like, I guess it was a way of realizing how much better it was than all the other ones. But I've just, she let me take it home. I remember just getting in the car with half the bottle. She just let me take it. I just drank it on the way home. Did she ever complain about having, did she ever complain about having a bad day at work and you kind of had to listen to her complain about that? Or? No. She seemed pretty happy, actually. <laughs> Good work-life balance, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just looking here. There's the Dom Ruinal 2007 is about 150 quid. Or the Ruinar blank de blank, blankety blank. <laughs> um, Check book and pen. Oh, that answers my question. You can't swear on this podcast then. Sorry. Oh, yeah, you can. Blankety blank. <laughs> um, the, so the Dom Ruinar 2007 champagne is 150 quid. The Ruinar blankety blank is 60 quid. So I'm guessing we're looking at the 2007 vintage the fancy one, Taylor. I don't. I think um, blankety blank was not John trying not to swear. It's, 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 it's a very specific cultural reference to a TV show that was on in the eighties. Oh, I do <laughs> oh, know that. Actually. Oh, you know blankety blank. Oh, I sorry. Do. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I've lived here just long enough that I almost know what that means. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great! You caught the blankety blank wave. Yes, that's really good. It's really <laughs> funny. Every year, I never stop learning. This is the great thing about living in another country is I never stop. I'll never forget the moment I learned you say algae instead of algae because it just hadn't come up somehow. And why would it? <laughs> it's like when, even when I realise I've been pronouncing an English word wrong for 39 years because it's never, I've never actually said it out loud in front of someone who knew knew how, how it was said. How, how, are you get, how are you getting on with the name Craig? The American pronunciation of Craig is insane. See, I don't hear it differently. Say it. You say it again. Craig. Craig. Craig and Craig. Craig is what I should say. Craig like an egg. Craig to rhyme with Greg. No, Craig to rhyme with bagel. (laughs) (laughs) I say Craig. Craig. How do you say say bagel? Bagel. Bagel. Craig. Craig, let's get a bagel. Craig, what do you take on your bagel? Craig, we don't... Well, how do we know... Robin, that Craig might be the right way of saying it, and it also might be Beggle. It might be Beggle. Life is a rich tapestry. It is. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is rich bay tapestry. I'm not saying one's wrong or one's right. I'm just saying they're different. <laughs> I've just learned this recently that we sound funny when we say Craig, but I'm still really confused about which one <laughs> is right. That's why I say, if it's a Craig, I just go, Sea Dog, how are you? <laughs> okay, well, every week on the show, uh, Taylor, we have a little pub quiz for the uh, listeners to play along to. And I hand over to the quiz master, Mr. Robin Allender. 
Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Thanks, John, and uh, yes, welcome to this week's Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Uh, Taylor, are you a fan of the pub quiz? They make me very nervous. My palms are sweaty. I I grew up in a family where it was really embarrassing to be wrong. So get ready to look at my shame. (laughs) Well, don't worry. No, I'm not quizzing you. I'm quizzing the listeners. But please take. I'm quizzing society. Yeah. Hmm. You got. You have to. Yeah. um, (laughs) But yeah, play along. See see how well you do. So um, this week we've got three questions on best-selling records worldwide. So question one is, this is, uh, these are all from Wikipedia, by the way, in case anyone wants to question my sources. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The best-selling albums of all time. In the top 10 best-selling albums of all time, there are two soundtracks and one compilation. So can you name them? So you don't have to answer now, have a bit of time to think. So there are two soundtracks and one compilation. Best international selling albums of all time. Yes, this is international, yeah. This is worldwide, yeah. I don't have a pencil, so we're going to rely on my crappy memory. This is awesome. Carry on, carry on. (laughs) So question two, best-selling physical singles of all time. So this is pre-the digital age. So number three, best-selling physical single of all time is a British single which was released in 1970. And it contains some terrible advice in the lyrics about drink driving. I was I couldn't believe that was the number three best-selling single of all time. Anyway, does that ring any bells, or or do you need another clue? I'm gonna I'm having a stab in the dark at that. I don't even know if it's a single. I've just thought of a phrase. <laughs> a phrase. We all know the phrase. Question three. This is a quite hard one. A quite a surprising one. We're back to albums. What is the most recently released album? that's in the top 10 best-selling albums of all time? Hmm. Good questions, man. Do you want some more clues? I could give you some clues here with any of these. Clues are for suckers. I think clues are for suckers, actually, Rob. Yeah, okay, fine. I think Taylor's hit the nail on the head there. Clues are for suckers. Stare at my shame. Because then you either got help, you got help that you didn't deserve, or you just feel worse when you don't get it, because you're like, I had clues. It's like having the bumpers up when you go bowling. Yeah, and still managing not to get enough pins down. Yeah, we once did the pub quiz uh, in the Signal in Forest Hill, run by Jerry Howell, great comedian. And he, uh, <laughs> we accidentally saw the answer sheet and saw the answer to one question, and then we ended up winning the quiz. No, and you didn't report yourselves. No, that's appalling. I know. I, yeah, I'm sorry. And Jerry, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I had my tooth crowned today and the dentist said, okay, that's all paid for. And I was like, no, I haven't paid for it. (gasps) Wow. So that's very honest of you. You're doing a lot of running away from paying at the moment, John. Last night in the pub, we left and we walked. You didn't run away. Well, we walked past it about 10, half an hour later and the woman came running out saying you didn't pay for your round. So only because we happened... No, she didn't. Okay, go on. <laughs> she ran out saying, I'm so sorry, you're clearly a very honest, upstanding citizen, but when you <laughs> tapped your card on the machine, it didn't go through. 
I then explained that my bank have recently changed from Visa to MasterCard. I said, it's been a shambles. <laughs> it's been mismanaged. And you have unfortunately, as a hardworking publican, have unfortunately borne the brunt of it. I, I apologise. I then went in and paid. It's not how I remember it, John. Who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I didn't run away from the dentist without paying. I, I stayed there to pay when I could have got away with a free crown. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Honest man. Thank you. Uh, anyway, while you uh, cogitate and deliberate uh, the answers to those questions, you may have a bit of ambient music. You may have some notices from some advertisers. You may have neither. Oh, you'll definitely have one of them. <laughs> but whatever, whatever you have, uh, just remember to check out drydrinker.com with the code MOONUNDERPOD if you fancy having a few non-alcoholic nights for 20% off. And you can also head to Patreon to select your level of desire from the various tiers for which you get various levels of bonus content. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we're back. Uh, we are on some very high best-selling tenterhooks as we wait for the answers to this week's quiz. So, Robin, take us through them. Sure. Thanks, John. So, my first question in the quiz was um, the top 10 best-selling albums of all time. There are two soundtracks and one compilation. So, how did you get on with these, Taylor and John? Did I mention I don't have a pencil? So, <laughs> yeah. so the first thing that popped into my head is the Grease soundtrack, just because I feel like people go apeshit for that. That is in the top 20, I believe. But you're very kind of close in terms of cast, let's say. Oh, I know. And I've changed my answer now. Is it Saturday Night Fever? It is Saturday Night Fever, yeah. Saturday Night Fever is one of the soundtracks, which is which is actually, it's only got a few BG songs on it. Uh, and the rest is a compilation of other great disco songs. Boring point. Uh, any other? Yeah. <laughs> is is the second one South Pacific? No, no. Ah. What about the greatest hits? Taylor, what do you think it is? I was going to guess Les Mis, but that's probably a bit too niche No, it's, it's a good guess, it's, but it's not, not the, it's not the one. 
What about Greatest Hits? Do you want to... I think it's the best of the Eagles. Absolutely right. Eagles Greatest Hits, Saturday Night Fever. And so any other, any other, any advance on the other soundtrack? I don't think so. Quite a hard one. It's The Bodyguard. Oh. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, because of the Whitney Houston song. Yeah, yeah. That not that mad? Yeah. Number two was, the th- according to Wikipedia, the third best-selling physical single of all time in 1970. It contains some terrible advice about drink driving. Does anyone know that one? I've just written down one for the road, but I don't even know if that's a song. <laughs> no. Any idea, Taylor? No, but that's a good guess. I was trying to think of a title as well, like, do a shot, grab the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, In the Summertime, M- Mungo Jerry. Well, that's not in the title, is it? I didn't say it was in the title. I said it was in the lyrics, didn't I? Yes, you did. Did I? Jesus Christ. Robin, this whole quiz is null and void. <laughs> absolute. It's an absolute shambles. Well, I'm really sorry. Would you have got it if I'd have said it was in the lyrics? I wouldn't have, no. No, what's the bad advice, though? What does it say? Have a drink, have a drive, go out and see what you can find. Or something like that. Oh, dear me, no. I found a tree again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I met Mungo Jerry in uh, Hungary. Anyway, question three, albums again. What's the most recently released album in the top ten best-selling albums of all time? Uh, do you want a clue for this one? Clues are for suckers. Clues are for suckers, okay. I was going to give you a year. Is it Billie Eilish? No, that's... And I don't know the name of the album? That's a good okay. shout, but it's not. Is it Justin Beebles? It's not the Beebulator, no. It's with 1997, if that's any kind of help. Hmm, long time ago. Yeah. Oh, is it Californication? No. It's really hard. It's quite. I'm, I'm. I'm sorry for asking such hard questions and giving you misinformation as well. Shania Twain, come on over. Is it really now? Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? It's so fascinating. <laughs> well, come on over to another great quiz. <laughs> really tricky, but great yeah. quiz. There was some good, good trivia in there that hopefully might help you out with your pub quizzes in the future. That's true. But yeah, best-selling albums of all time. Do you know the number one, by the way? Bad Michael Jackson? Or Thriller, sorry? It's Thriller. It's Thriller. It's Thriller. Is the Thriller there at the top of all the charts there? Thriller is number one. And that list. And is there any Queen albums in the top ten, Robin? No, I'm afraid to say there are not. No. Very much a British prospect, top (laughs) album-wise. Although I'm sure they're in the top 100. They definitely are. Pink Floyd uh, is the only British artist there, I think. Okay, super quiz. uh, Another one of those next week. But now it's back uh, to Taylor Glenn's Dream Pub. Full of history with dark wood like a hug. And Doors Too Small. Doors Too Small sounds like a good album. It does. <laughs> what was that Shins album, Shoots Too Narrow? A great album. And then Doors Too Small, the Taylor Glenn pub album. <laughs> so on draft, we have uh, Yingling and Leafman's Cherry Lambic. We also have, I'm going for this, the Oyster Bay New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. And a Ruinard. 2007 to Champagne. But uh, Taylor, sorry, I'll stop doing that. Uh, Taylor, what are your two spirits? I would rather you did it for the rest of the recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, firstly, are you, a, are you a big spirits drinker? I'm not. But there is one drink that I really love when I'm really feeling sassy. So it's basically the next three things are the ingredients for that drink. Oh, so clever. It's a, yeah, it's a dirty martini, dirty Mm. vodka martini. So I'd go with Belvedere vodka, which is a Polish rye vodka in a beautiful, beautiful bottle. Yes, agreed. 
And I don't even know if vermouth is a spirit or a... Oh, vermouth yeah. would definitely will count, will count vermouth. It's not a bottle, it's a spirit. So you need a dried vermouth. I like good old-fashioned martini vermouth to make a martini. So I'm just thinking, in terms of maximising your options in this pub, are you going to be drinking either of those drinks straight or are you mixing them to create this drink that is spanning the, the choices? Would anyone drink vermouth straight? Do you know, this has become a thing recently because I've been out with friends like two years ago when you were allowed to do that. Actually, like the last meal I remember before the pandemic, and I know we're getting back into it, people were starting to order vermouth on the rocks. Really? Yeah. And it was like this trendy, like, oh, this is what we have now. I think it's sweet vermouth, though, that they're drinking. Mm. That seems odd. It's like ordering a Angostura bitter or something. <laughs> it seems a bit strange to me. Yeah, it's weird. Well, it's something we've touched on before about how those old heritage sort of brands are having to reinvent themselves in order to get people to drink them again. So, like every six months or a year, you'll suddenly see adverts putting this drink that you've only ever seen sort of dusty in the corner of bars. Suddenly, it's like loads of young people are drinking. Dubonnet. <laughs> like, what? No yeah. one drinks Dubonnet. Yeah. What even is Dubonnet? And it's like, oh, the Dubonnet Spritz. You know, that's, you've just invented that. That isn't, it's not a thing. It may be a thing. I don't know. I only say Dubonnet because it's in a Lou Reed song. No, it's really true. In Berlin by the wall. <laughs> There's a lot of DiSerrano ads all of a sudden, which is Amaretto. And that was like, yeah, that's a real like grandma drink to me. I knew one person in New Jersey who didn't really like to drink, so she'd get a she'd get her little amaretto sour, <laughs> and she would just have the one, and that was all. <laughs> but now they're advertising it. It's like, yeah, we're hip, we're young, we're drinking almond flavored liqueur. Yeah, I think the, the the thing to do is mix it with Dr Pepper. That's what I've heard. <gasps> young young people do. Yeah. Weird. I might be wrong. Yeah, it sounds weird. No, I bet that's, that's a very thing. sweet. Yeah. It's nice with cranberry juice, but by God, you drink too much of it because it tastes so nice. And then you immediately throw the rest of the bottle down the sink because you're like, I can't face this ever again. <laughs> and that's, I think, the problem with those drinks like vermouth and disserano. They're, they're not designed to be consumed in great quantities. They're, they're sort of to be added to stuff and dashed in things. So in order to sort of create this idea that you would actually go for a night out on the vermouth. So I mean, it's quite bleak. Yeah. But I, it's great to see them both next to each other uh, in the bar, Taylor. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. In order to accompany these two thirds of your special drink, we need obviously a very good pub book. So every week... Robin adds to the library, the pub library nook, another publy tome. And Robin, what have you gone for this week? Thanks, John. Yeah, so every week I put a book in the pub library. This week it's a poem uh, by Bernard O'Donoghue. What's the best thing about pubs for you? The best thing about all pubs or the best thing about the perfect pub? Either or both. That sort of feels like the air is heavy with anticipation and joy and silence 
Is that is the most insane thing I've ever said? Well, I was going to say friendship, but uh... oh, right. French, yeah, friendship, friendship, <laughs> friendship. Yeah. What about you, Taylor? What's your What's your favorite? What, if you could sum it up to one word, what's your favorite thing about a pub? I can't do one word, but it's not long that you can lose time. Oh. Lose time. That's it's the one place where you can truly lose track of time. Yeah, that's a great. Wow, that's fantastic. This is a very beautiful poem, and it's quite important to me, I suppose. But it's uh, but this is a really great poem about, I suppose, the pub companionship, friendship thing, and it's called "Going Without Saying." I hope I don't cry when I read it. <laughs> no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Going without saying. It is a great pity we don't know when the dead are going to die, so that, over a last companionable drink, we could tell them how much we liked them. Happy the man who, dying, can place his hand on his heart and say, at least I didn't neglect to tell the thrush how beautifully she sings. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Was that, was that too much? No, it's so, it's so good. I think that's kind of, that poem gives me a lot of solace because I, I do believe I have told the thrush how beautifully she sings. But I think, I mean, I've, I've, I've loved that poem for a long time. But just because when I was thinking about things at the pub library, I thought, well, that could be good because it is about this idea of having a drink with a friend and how important that is in terms, not necessarily an alcoholic drink, but in terms of the kind of what a pub is for is that companionship and friendship in some ways and also i think what he's saying with having told the thrush how beautifully she sings is sort of an analogy for having lived in the moment with people and perhaps taken the time to do quite simple things as opposed to especially in the modern world we tend to fill up an awful lot of our time with stresses about irrelevant things so just you know even going for a walk and just stopping and thinking, oh, great, I'm near a really old tree. I know that sounds so sort of stupid, but that I feel a lot better about myself when I think, that tree's been here for 100 years and it's going to be here for another 100 years. And when I die, maybe a bit of me might go into that tree. Really chills me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. What collection is that poem from, Rob? Oh, that's from a collection called Gunpowder by Bernard O'Donoghue. He's a brilliant Irish, uh, Irish poet, um, who, who, who I think he still teaches at Oxford, and he used to he used to do the Bloomsday celebrations at the Port Marne. I used to have tutorials with him about linguistics, and he said on my report, John needs to be aware that this is not a subject that can be blagged or busked. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Oh, um, so, so Taylor, sorry, this this podcast is tonally very weird. <laughs> just, I feel like you know we, we kind of we do pubs and you know and then we do very sad poems. No, I think I think it's great to veer into that. I mean, I do a true crime comedy podcast, so I'm used to switching yeah. gears. It's fine. <laughs> there are moments, and then there are moments. Yeah. What What can we talk a bit about the true crime element? I mean, why 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 do you think it's such a a big thing now. Why do people so so many people seem to take so much comfort from it when you're talking about sort of kind of disturbing stories and things? Mm, well, I, I mean, in terms of what we do, uh, we very deliberately choose historical crimes because, and we don't just do 
murder. It's it's we it, we sort of <laughs> the umbrella of what we consider crime, and we've done female pirates, and we've done, you know, if you find a story where there's one crime, but the story is really about an amazing person from the past. It's more about storytelling. But I think you know we know that women are the biggest consumers of true crime, and one of the theories is that we because women tend to live in a lot of fear of something happening to them and we are sort of taught about our vulnerability at a really young age so we sort of walk around and i hope nothing happens to me i hope nothing happens to me that there's something paradoxical about consuming it that you're almost arming yourself with all the knowledge you need to understand well how do these things happen which i think is an interesting theory it's bleak as hell but yeah it is i yeah. i personally can't put my finger on it i i listen to them to relax when i'm walking somewhere because it makes me feel safer than i'm listening to it as i walk it's such a strange phenomenon is there a sort of strange comfort in being able to vicariously live very unpleasant experiences in a safe setting when for, for women an awful lot of your life has been impressed on you dangerous scenarios I think so. There, there's definitely something about that safe space. It's like I'm choosing. It's the consent as well. It's I'm choosing to hear this and I'm choosing what I do with that. I know that sounds really strange because I get and I think they're very tasteless. You know, I don't love all true crime. I'm not this blanket like, yeah, because <laughs> I think some of it is really, really tasteless and done very badly. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I think there is something to having the control over what you're hearing and there's a lot of empathy you know i that sounds really really trite but the empathy you have for anyone that's gone through that and kind of the question i think we all have is how do people go on you know it's sort of like how do these families carry on when something horrific happens because it's all of our our worst nightmare. Now I'm taking the tone another way, Robin. We can all do this. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. But I think in doing historical stuff where we, you know, it's carte blanche to just sort of deconstruct it and be women in a room talking about, well, how does this relate to today? And the running joke being like, thank God everything's so much better now. Um, yeah, it's just been a, it's just, yeah, it's, I think it's taken off because that sort of works as weird as it sounds so yeah yeah and alcohol just makes it smoother (laughs) (laughs) but that thing of what's important about a pub when we thought of the idea for drunk women we just joked that when women get together and drink we are always convinced that we've just fixed all the problems in the world (laughs) like you just feel like you've gone through this night and you've tackled all these deep issues and then you wake up and realize that you've done nothing but it's that it's that moment of the high that you get when you're with people and you're like, yeah, this is how this is how this is. And it's so intense and profound in the moment. That's what I mean. Like you just lose time thinking that you are having the most important realization you've ever had, <laughs> even if it's dumb. <laughs> yeah. So to accompany the poems that we'll be reading from the wonderful Bernard O'Donoghue, uh, we also have a jukebox in The Moon Underwater, Taylor, and we ask every guest to add an album that they think is perfect for publicly listening. The music topic is interesting because the instinct is always like, I really got to impress everybody with a really cool offering. But I was like, no, just be honest. Like, 
the first thing that popped into my head, which I still think is an amazing album, is Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Oh, good shout. My fiance has tickets to see Alanis Morissette on the Jagged Little Pill reunion tour, which has been like postponed three or four times now. And she's just dying to see it. I know it has. I need to get tickets. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. I need to book those up. Yeah, she's she's amazing. What What is it about that album? Was it something you liked a lot as a kid? I mean, I was more than just a kid when it came out. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, it, I think it was just at that really, yeah, that just angsty teenage, ugh, so much stuff going on. You know, like I, I dated to that album and I broke up with people to that album and I discovered feminism to that album. Like there's just so much of it. And it still is one of the most solid compilations I can think of where there's there's only a couple songs on there where I'm like yeah this one not so much but it's just uh, I can still sit and listen to the whole thing it was great did Alanis did she ever recover from its success I don't know the story of post little pill for Morissette do you know what the second album was or the album after that was called it's called supposed former infatuation junkie wow that's very 90s isn't it (laughs) yeah it really is but that song that album has got um that has thank you on it yeah thank you's her best song i think thank you's amazing yeah 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 and there's one where she she names all of her (laughs) ex-boyfriends that's quite a nice slam on someone trying to tell you what your failing is to say supposed former infatuation junkie. It's because you can tell that she's been yeah, told yeah. that by someone and it's really pissed her off. I quite like that as a title. Yeah. No, I, I do as well. I think the whole thing with Alanis Morissette is, I think for a time, maybe even at the time, it was a bit un, uncool maybe. But now, looking back, I think she was actually like quite ahead of her time and like a really great artist. I rewatched her debut, I think it was on Letterman, and she was not known yet. And it is still like, it's an outstanding performance. And she sings You Ought to Know. And she's just going crazy. Like she's just throwing herself into it. And it's still, oh, she's just, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the coolest. It was very popular, so it wasn't the coolest thing to like. And I remember anyone that liked grunge, we were sort of like, is this okay? Can we like something this you know, yeah. melodic. Yeah. But, so, yeah. <laughs> isn't it melodic? Yeah. Great album. I think it was because perhaps some of her ironic scenarios were quite easily satirizable. That's not on her. It's like 10,000 spoons when all you need is a job. That's, <laughs> that's what I, I used to say that in stand-up. It's terrible, sorry. <laughs> it's like Jagged Little Pill. That's such a great pub album. It should be on every pub jukebox. So that goes in. Oh, good. But now we complete the triple threat, the triple crown, the trident, as we ask you, Taylor, for your wildcard drink, because we've got Belvedere Vodka and Vermouth, uh, Martini Dry Vermouth looking longingly at this space 
on the shelf to know what they're going to be turned into. So what are we going for here? (laughs) Green olives in brine and not just any green olives. I want the queen, just those giant, like impossibly huge ones with a lot, a lot of brine because I like a dirty martini, which has the brine in it. And I know some people are purists and they think that's disgusting, but I love that salty, boozy hit. Well, I think we can say that this is our first ever savoury drink choice oh, on the moon underwater. Okay. So that crown shall ever be yours. <laughs> so I, I'm guessing you're mixing the vodka with the dry martini. And can can you enlighten me as to what sort of ratios we're talking? Is it half and half or? Uh, no, I do a two to one vodka to vermouth. Um, which I think is pretty standard. And then I've never measured the brine. I just put like a, a little pour in there, lots and lots of ice, shake it up till your hand hurts from the cold, and it's perfect. Have you ever had a pickleback? I have. So I had a pickleback, which is a shot of bourbon followed by a shot of the vinegar you get in jars of pickles. Y- yeah. I think you'd call it gherkin juice, surely. Gherkin juice, that's correct. <laughs> that's, that's my nickname at school. Yeah. <laughs> However, the problem is with gherkin juice is that there are two sort of styles. There's a very vinegary sort of sharp one, which I like, or there's this sort of slightly sweet, Ooh, horrible, yeah, no. and I hate hate to lay the blame at a nation's door, but it is the sort of those American gherkin their juice is not like a sort of a British pickling vinegar, which I do like the appeal of. So I think you've got to be you've got to be really specific on your brine, and, and <laughs> praise be to you for being so. Yeah, specific on brine. Boy, you do. I don't know if you can blame. I I know which pickles you're talking about in the states that are the sort of luminous yellow ones. Those get thrown onto burgers. Those are like really bad. But I would argue that we make outside of Eastern Europe the best pickles in the world because we have such a rich Jewish community and like at like a proper pickle in New York next to your pastrami sandwich there will not be a trace of sweetness on there it's like puckering so I'm with you I like the full savory sour I like the way we've done the you know the cultural differences between British and Americans <laughs> been done to death I don't think anyone's done pickling juice I don't think so. <laughs> you know, really, yeah. I want to see some mustard seeds floating around in my yeah. pickling juice is that too much to ask maybe <laughs> is a, that so wrong is maybe a chili in there if I could be so bold uh, well fantastic did you like your pickleback did you like your pickleback no it's absolutely disgusting it's not great, is it? No, because and but, it's not the pickle juice that's the problem. Well, it me. was in this scenario. It was the wrong pickle juice, and it it wasn't in America, so it's not. It's, I don't know why I'm laying any blame at America's door. They just picked for me the wrong style of pickle juice. But I think if you're ordering a disgusting drink, it's quite it's quite rich to be going to the bar staff. Uh, this is disgusting, but in the wrong way. I want to be dis- disgusting in a different way with some mustard seeds in there. Yeah. When it's a play on words of a shitty band, you probably can't be too discerning. You're barred. Now then, we filled up the shelves and we filled up the kegs and the casks and the bottles. We've got Yingling Lager. We've got Leafman's Cherry Lambic. We've got an Oyster Bay New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, the uh, the newsagent's champagne. We've got the Ruinard 2007 champagne. Belvedere Vodka Vermouth Dry Martini. 
all completed in the Holy Trinity by Queen Green Olives in Brine. We're listening to Jagged Little Pill. We're reading Bernard O'Donoghue, though that's not in your pub, that's in the Moon Underwater. You're not under any obligation to take Bernard O'Donoghue's poem with you. Uh, but what are we not having in Taylor Glenn's dream pub? What one thing are you going to outlaw? If there were a way to outlaw this, I would outlaw... I was going to say any men or women, for that matter, but mostly men, who have very bad boundaries and cross the line with women, don't understand that no means no. You know where I'm going with this. Just because as a woman who likes a drink, I think the thing, the one thing that's ruined any night has been a man acting inappropriately rather than anything that was in the pub or like a chandelier that I didn't like. So I would make it, um, I would outlaw jerks. <laughs> we'll just call them jerks. <laughs> outlaw jerks yeah. and people who don't know their their boundaries. There are two bars in Bristol. I'm not sure if they're still there. What were the name of those speakeasies, Rob? There's the Milk Thistle and the Hyde and Co. And one of the rules, so they've got, like rules and you have to like knock on the door and make an appointment it's a proper properly well run quite cool oh. cocktail bar that you wouldn't it does no mm. frontage you wouldn't know it was there if you were going past and one of the rules that's quite prominent in there sort of rules of etiquette is you're not allowed to speak to women you don't know without their permission immediately as a man i thought oh there are going to be less assholes in here and it was it made me feel relaxed so i can't imagine how much more better evening you would have as a, a a woman or a group of women or a woman alone to know that i'm actually backed up by the establishment here that you can't just come over to my table and you can't just sit down next to me and you can't just start talking at me well this is it i think you know decent guys are as <laughs> put off by this kind of behavior as you know the victims of it so yeah it benefits everyone it's kind of like feminism <laughs> but yeah not to take that to too serious a place but yeah i think it would probably be the best thing to ban from all pubs if if one had one magic wand and probably if one had two ma magic wands the next one might be screens <laughs> yeah uh, but we'd start with inappropriate behavior <laughs> there and we screens go. Thank you so much for that superb choice that I'm sure an awful lot of people listening will agree with and also adhere to, listeners, because I'm sure we have all been a little bit drunk and a little bit loose with our boundaries. So think on. Hurry up, please. It's time. So what are we going to call this pub, Taylor? Oh, I struggled with this one because I love a, a beautiful pub name. But I couldn't get past Taylor Made. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's so, so cheesy. I might as well just call it like the narcissist. <laughs> well, you could call it the Taylor Made, but spell made as in M A I D. I guess. Who's the maid, though? Who is the maid? Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, this is the, when my daughter was born. There's the there's a golf brand called Taylor Made, but spelled as my name. And so I used to find it hilarious to like put a giant hat on my daughter when she was a baby that said Taylor Made. <laughs> so I just thought, well, here's another opportunity yeah, that, that I won't get again. So yeah, because it would be disingenuous to be like the grape and fox. So it's like, well, where did that come from? <laughs> Do you play golf, Taylor? No, but my dad is a super, super good golfer, like a crazy good oh, golfer. 
Oh, yeah. I'd love to play golf with him. I'd love to play golf yeah. with anyone. It's funny because growing up, I didn't really, I don't know. I just didn't understand how good he was. And then he like, he joined a club a few years ago that I, he like took me around the club and I knew he'd won a few like tournaments there, but like his name was just on this plaque over and oh. over. Like, yeah, he's really good. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for bringing your dark wood like a hug into our realm and your doors too small and also Alanis Morissette. I mean, that's what you want is Alanis Morissette and dark wood like a hug with absolutely no inappropriate behaviour. This has been awesome. What a, what a superb pub. And um, we now give it to you to take with you and it's yours to go to whenever you want to. You just have to desire it and it will reveal itself. There you go, folks, as Taylor Glenn strodes very confidently down the road, I think perhaps with a bit of a spring in her step, now that she's got her pub under her arm. We bid her farewell, and many thanks for visiting us here at the Moon Underwater. Next week, we welcome Lily Waite, a pints writer, a pintster, a brew campaigner, and founder of Queer Brewing, a project to involve more LGBTQ plus folk in the brewing world and in the beer world and the pub world. And we cannot wait to speak to her about how that all came about and also creating her perfect pub. So tune in next week. Head over to moonunderpod.com to find out all about our patronly offers. And don't forget, you can get 20% off Dry Drinker with the code MOONUNDERPOD. So until then, we see you in the mists, we see you in our minds, and we see you in our pints. Farewell. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.